I'm Brenna Pakes, graduate gemologist with a background in geology, as well as a former flight attendant. I've worked in the retail sector and now as a jewelry consultant through a blog and podcast. My mission is to connect shoppers to indie jewelers and designers who create beyond the commercial boundaries for shoppers who want to distinguish their unique style. I also share tips on how to care for jewelry you already have, as well as the stories of the designers I feature, and visit with experts in all aspects of the jewelry trade, along with social media influencers who serve to guide and inform as well. If you like jewelry that stands out and complements what makes you unique, then come with me today and board every episode for jewelry I've discovered by jewelers and designers who create with unique designs and rare gems for those who want to stand out rather than blend in with the trends. This is the Jewelry Navigator podcast. If your destination is a place to learn about and find unique jewelry, then welcome aboard and enjoy the episode. Well, jewelry is heavenly, and it's also a vice. But when you see something that you love, or you put something on for the first time, or someone gives you something to commemorate an important moment in your life, it really is heavenly. I started Heavenly Vices with a long-term plan to fund more effective programs for animal overpopulation. Hey there, welcome. This is episode number 14 of the Jewelry Navigator podcast, and you're joining us here in the Jewelry Navigator boarding lounge. That was Samantha Jackson, founder of Heavenly Vices Fine Jewelry. She was born and raised in New Orleans. Samantha explains how collections are inspired from the nature, history, and culture of New Orleans. I first met Samantha and her jewelry line, Heavenly Vices Fine Jewelry, at the Metal & Smith 2018 Winter Edit in New York City and have been hooked ever since. I love her jewelry. It's so innovative, especially when she uses vintage accents like the antique love tokens. They were originally coins that soldiers or loved ones who were going away burnished on either side to remove the coin markings and then had them hand engraved by jewelers with either significant dates or monograms or even secret messages. She uses a wonderful combination of unusual designs and gems. Heavenly Vice's fine jewelry reveals how we strive to connect meaning between what and who is significant in our lives. Inspired by jewelry since a child, Samantha connects jewelry to a virtuous purpose. She contributes effort between her busy work and home life along with profit from Heavenly Vice's fine jewelry towards plans to eliminate roadblocks to the necessary steps and provisions to eliminate pet and animal overpopulation. Thanks so much for joining me. I think you'll really enjoy our visit. I really appreciate Samantha and how she connects her passion and her purpose with Heavenly Vices Fine Jewelry. Thanks a lot. Enjoy the episode. Thanks so much for joining me, Samantha. I'm speaking with Samantha of Heavenly Vices Fine Jewelry. And if you haven't seen her jewelry, it's really unique and unusual. And I'm going to have her tell us more about 
what inspires her to make the jewelry. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I actually have loved jewelry for as long as I have, as long as I can remember. Um, my grandmother had some beautiful rings that I always just, every time I went over to her house, I asked her if I could wear them. And it's truly something that I have always just had a tremendous passion for. I never really thought that this was something that I could do. Um, and when I had the opportunity to actually start doing this, it was something that was very exciting for me. And uh, here I am three years later. So a little bit about me and what inspires me. I grew up in New Orleans, which if any of you have been there, you know that there is a lot of beauty with the old architecture and all of the nature. And, um, you know, it's just, we're, it's a place where you're constantly surrounded by not only beauty, but also by history. And so those two things are something that I incorporate in multiple ways in all of my jewelry, either by the use of some uh, antique items like the love tokens that I use, which are antique coins that people have taken out of circulation and embellished with engravings or enamel. Um, I have a lot of those that I use in my collection, or I will use something that makes a reference towards New Orleans, so um, items that look like the wrought iron that you see all over the place in um, decorative fences and whatnot, and I have a line I call the Audubon Collection, which is basically uh, my nature collection, so I have a lot of flowers and leaves, and everything I make, there's some thread back to my childhood in New Orleans. What's the meaning behind heavenly vices? It's kind of a contradictory double, <laughs> double meaning. Tell us where that comes from. Well, jewelry is heavenly, and it's also a vice. And I just kind of, I, I wanted a name that had a little bit of irreverence because my personality can be a little bit irreverent. And also I feel like some of the things that we do in Celebrate New Orleans are a little bit irre irreverent. Mm -hmm. But I also um, wanted something that sort of describes, you know, what's it like to, to love jewelry and it's kind of an obsession and you never have enough. And so in that sense, it's a bit of a vice, but when you see something that you love or you put something on for the first time or someone gives you something to commemorate an important moment in your life, um, it really is heavenly. Um, it's just a, for jewelry lovers, it's just a wonderful experience to see things and touch things and feel things and own things and, you know, like my grandmother's rings, for example, I, I look at, you know, I look at her hands and I can still visualize her, her rings. And it's just a touch point to something that's really, um, really special in life. So that's, that's so special. And just like you said, it's all special, but I love how you've brought such meaning from what a beautiful city. I love New Orleans. There's such a rich, exotic history, but it's um, it, it's such a beautiful place, and that you're able to tie a lot of that into your jewelry designs is even more unique. And when people find that out, I think it it just makes it all that more intriguing. Yes, there's been actually ever since Hurricane Katrina, which everyone knows about, um, hit in 2005. It was obviously devastating for the city, 
and devastating for a lot of people. My family was actually quite lucky. They didn't really lose very much. But um, ever since the hurricane hit, there's just been this kind of renewed interest in New Orleans. And we have, you know, even 13 years on, we have continued investment in the city and just kind of curiosity. So I think a lot of people who um, had never been there after the hurricane, they wanted to go and they wanted to spend their money there and sort of help the community rebuild, which is something that's really wonderful as someone who grew up there and for everyone who loves the city because it's the most unique place in the United States. And it actually doesn't even really feel like the United States. So I'm very, I love my city. I wish I could move back there. It's just not practical at this point. Um, And it's just a huge part of everyone's life who grew up there and for people who live there. You're right. It does feel like it's not part of the United States. I mean, I I don't know where it would, it would be. It's, it's almost its own place. There's no place like it in the whole world. I'm looking at the names of all of your collections, and you explained what Audubon is about and how that's inspired by a lot of the ironwork and beautiful gates and swirls that are part of the architecture details in New Orleans. Um, Carnival, which is like Mardi Gras, right? Yes, yes. And then does the celestial tie into the crescent, the crescent moon? Well, New Orleans is known as the crescent city. And the next time you go to New Orleans and you're walking around, keep your eyes on the ground. You'll see the um, the covers for the water meters on the ground. Mm-hmm. They actually have a crescent moon and stars. Our police cars used to have a crescent moon and stars. And then there's a famous old theater there called the... Banger Theater, and I cannot remember what the the architecture style is, but it's one of those atmospheric um, theaters where you look up and you, you know, the the ceiling is decorated like the constellations. So there's very much a m- many different ties to celestial beings in New Orleans. What are some of your favorite stones? If for those of you who haven't seen her jewelry, like I said, it's really unique, and I love the stone combination that you use. You use a lot of, um, or at least the rings that I saw. I, I got to see Samantha in person at the Metal and Smith show back in February this year, and I was really looking forward to finding her. And um, when I did, she and I visited, I don't know, it was probably a half an hour or so, but I got to see her jewelry and try it on. It's beautiful. And I love how you use spinel and even iolite gemstones that a lot of people aren't familiar with. What makes you decide to work with the stones that you choose? Mainly color. Um, Blue is my favorite color. And I like to do something that is a little bit different, which obviously you can tell with my jewelry. You know, I'm a huge fan of tanzanite. And I actually learned from your last podcast that the supply is going to be um, disappearing soon. So that was a little bit upsetting, but also informative. Um, so I, I just like to use, I don't know if you remember when you met me, but you will never see me running around in anything hot pink or like lime green. I'm not really a colorful person in my wardrobe, but I love color and jewelry. And I like things that are unusual and I, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, I think what 
you know, even as people who are jewelry lovers, like I was, you know, the basics, you know, pearls, you know, opals, you know, rubies, sapphires, and emeralds. And then once you start looking, you know, there's just so many beautiful different stones and any color possible. And sort of, I'm always learning and I'm always studying and I'm always looking at other people's jewelry and finding new things that I can use. So I just, I love color and I love what Mother Nature makes for us. It's so evident in your jewelry. In fact, I'm looking at your website right, right now and um, the Rex pendant that you make with the lapis in the center and the enamel around yeah. the edges, that's just stunning. The color combination is so magnificent. Thank you. What are some of I had that on favorite? yesterday. Oh, you did? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what are some of your favorite pieces? Um, well, I'm I'm really partial to my love tokens. Um, I sort of don't even really remember how I stumbled upon them a couple of years ago, but I've been collecting them for about three years. And the I love the techniques that were used in the past. I mean, everything is hand engraved, which is truly a lost art. Um, I always joke with people, and they ask me about my love tokens. I say, this is what people did before they had the television and internet. Um, <laughs> but it's just, it's so much fun collecting them. Um, you know, that I have some that I would love to know the, the story behind. I have one that says pickles. I have one that says stories, which I actually love that because I come from a long line of storytellers. Um, my grandmother was a big storyteller. I actually am a writer in my other non-free time. <laughs> um, so I love getting, I love finding something that's said stories. Um, and I just, you know, I, I like the fact that, um, you have these beautiful things that were made many years ago and they're, they've just been sitting who knows where, um, accumulating a huge amount of tarnish that I have to clean, but I love having these, um, kind of bringing them back, breathing new life into these. And I have a person who actually I'm in the process of setting a little love token that says mama and she's a new mom. And obviously this coin was probably, you know, in the late 1800s was given to someone who was a new mom. And I just like the fact that we can kind of continue the life of these beautiful, you know, artifacts from the past. And they were someone's story before and they will be someone's story, you know, now and this, person will hopefully wear this necklace for many years to come and maybe, you know, hand it down to her daughter when she has a child. And um, I just love that sort of continuity of purpose for these, these beautiful things that would otherwise be in someone's safe or melted down for metal. So those are, those are really my favorites. And I know that you uh, have seen them, but the techniques that were used are just unbelievable and things that there are people who actually make love tokens today, but I personally can tell the difference. Um, even though people still hand engrave, um, it was just, it's just something we can't recreate with all the technology that we have. You know, there's just some things that can't be, can't be replaced. Right. I think it's interesting how you tie the love tokens in with the name of the collection being Rebirth 
which is exactly yep. what you've done to these beautiful pieces. And I'm sitting here looking at your website, once again, at all the different love tokens, wondering, do you know who engraved them? Were they jewelers or were they people who just picked it up as a, as a craft, as a skill? No, they were actually jewelers. And you okay. would have people who either had their own old jewelry stores or actually um, what the sort of equivalent of World's Fairs were back in the late 1800s, so people would, you know, go with their families, and they would um, take them to the, you know, craftspeople or tradespeople who are jewelers, and have them engraved with whatever, um, you know, whatever they were trying to commemorate. And what's interesting is um, the most popular denomination that was used in the United States for love tokens is dimes, and there was actually a shortage of dimes because of this craze of love tokens. So there were, I mean, if you think about what it takes to have a shortage of currency, there were a lot of people, you know, having love tokens made. And I just, I just find that everything about them is just fascinating to me. That is fascinating. I wouldn't have, that, that's a lot of love tokens. But I wonder why we don't see more of them around. Because if they were using dimes and there was a shortage of dimes, you'd think that we would see them. I'm just so grateful that you have picked them up and you've um, you've given them new purpose and you've turned them into such beautiful pieces of jewelry. Yes, I, I don't know. Like I said, I just stumbled upon them a couple of years ago. Um, and I have, I probably have about 600 myself um, and I'm constantly looking for new ones and finding new ones. Um, but I mean, there, there have to be thousands out there and these weren't, these weren't a phenomenon just in the United States. Um, I most current, I most commonly find American coins, but I have British coins, Canadian coins, Mexican coins. So, um, there are a lot out there. I, I would love to know where they are. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, now that maybe people will hear it and digging through their grandmothers and great grandmothers estate jewelry boxes, maybe they'll come across some and, and um, send them to you to make them into jewelry. I would love that. That would be really special. So if anybody has these hanging around, send them to Samantha. She can turn them into a gorgeous piece of jewelry for you. Um, <laughs> so what took you from New Orleans to Atlanta? <clears throat> well... The short answer is school and a boy, but um, <laughs> I went to college for one year at the university. Let me backtrack. My parents, um, my dad went to Tulane and my mom went to LSU. So there was no going to either one of those schools for me. I also wanted to get out of the city and kind of experience a little bit more. So I went to the University of Richmond for one year, and then I went to... Um, I transferred to the University of Arizona in Tucson, which was a fantastic experience for me because I went to a very small private school, all girls, for 12 years, and I wasn't really exposed to a whole lot of diversity, which is why, actually, I left the University of Richmond, and I went to visit my friend um, for spring break in Tucson, and I just, it was everything that I was looking for. There was cultural diversity. There was... Uh, educational diversity, economic diversity, and I knew that when I graduated, I would have to find my way in the real world where 
They're not just, you know, a bunch of private school girls. So I transferred because I thought that it would prepare me in all the right ways to, you know, embrace kind of a bigger life. Um, Once I finished, I moved back to New Orleans for a year, and then I went to school at Washington University in St. Louis, and I got an MBA. And during that time, I met my husband, and he lived in Atlanta. So after I graduated, um, I just moved here, and I've been here since 1998, so 20 years almost. Okay. You want to go back to New Orleans? Eventually, I would like to, yes. Yeah. Um, I I used to travel every week, and my husband still does travel every week, and it's just not... Atlanta's a great place to be if you have to travel a lot because you don't have to connect anywhere. Right, right. That makes it easy. Atlanta's a pretty cool place, though. It, that's it is. Of, that's got a lot of diversity, but it's not... It's not as quaint as New Orleans, but Atlanta fans, yeah. I'm sorry. I don't mean to hurt your feelings. But I Atlanta say. has a lot going for it. And there's, yes, it you know, does. there's, I'm sure that there are people who might listen to this podcast and they can think of, you know, 10 reasons why they wouldn't want to live in New Orleans. So nowhere's perfect. You just have to figure out what you want the most and um, what makes you happy. I've enjoyed living here. Um, and not just because of the airport, <laughs> but um, there's just something in New Orleans that kind of gets in your bones and stays there. And I just, it's a goal to go back there at some point. Yeah, good. Well, I hope you get back there when the time is, is just perfect. Um mm-hmm. Before we started the phone call, Samantha and I were talking and um one reason why one direction I'm kind of going with Jewelry Navigator is featuring women and female artists, jewelry artists, and getting the message out to anybody, but in particular women and girls who who want to do something, whether they've had a career already or they're starting a career, if they want to do something with jewelry or art that it's okay to to do both, you know, to have a career and, you know, have a hobby that builds into a business. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that because I know you said that you work full-time. How do you find the time to do Heavenly Vices? I mean, it's you've got a beautiful website and you were featured in Vanity Fair UK magazine and when is it this summer's? edition of Brides Magazine yes, in the it, UK? It just, it just came out, I think. Yeah. So how do you make that all work? Well, I am fortunate in that I require very little sleep. So I only sleep about five or six hours a day, and that um, opens up a lot of opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me... This isn't work for me, so I'll just give everybody a little bit of background about me. Like I said, I have an MBA. Um, After I finished my MBA, I went directly into consulting, and I've been working in um, the IT space since 2000. So I'm probably the last people anyone at work ever expects to be creative because, you know, I do code and I, you know, implement big, huge software um, systems for big, huge companies. 
Um, but there was always something that was missing in my life because I didn't have an outlet for being creative. So I have two brothers, and they're, we're all exactly the same. We all have business backgrounds. My older brother still, um, he's actually in IT too, but we're all creative. So my older brother does photography. My younger brother, who also has an MBA, but he is in medical sales now, um, he plays music and he does photography. So for years and years and years, I just felt frustrated because I couldn't, I had no outlet for my creativity. I mean, I would be the person that the only thing I had to do <laughs> to, to deal with this frustration is I always volunteered to do like the PowerPoint presentations. And I, you know, I do animation and all these, you know, pictures and everything. Um, and, a, and then a couple of years ago when the opportunity presented itself for me to start this, um, I just found that it really has helped me, you know, kind of plug out of fill a void in my life where I, I couldn't really be as creative as I wanted it to be. So I, I don't really consider this work. Um, everything about it, except for like the bookkeeping aspect, but <laughs> nobody likes that except for accountants. <laughs> right. um, everything is, is fun for me. Like I love, you know, like I mentioned, I love learning about new stones. I love looking for love tokens. I love getting love tokens. I actually love polishing silver Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just, I don't feel like I have to make the time for it because it's just something that honestly, jewelry is the first thing I think about when I wake up in the morning and the last thing I think about, um, when I go to bed. <laughs> oh, that's good to hear. Cause I think a lot of yeah. us are in that same boat. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, um, it's just entrancing. And I know a lot of people argue and, and think that it's not important, and sometimes it does feel frivolous, but it's not. It's really a celebration of what the gifts that Earth does give to us in, in the form of gemstones and minerals. And it's also a gift that we give ourselves as a creative, just like you said, as a creative outlet and a way to create something to show somebody that we appreciate them. So it really isn't frivolous. It's not. And if you look at the occasions, um, or people are given jewelry, you know, when people want to get married, you know, they exchange rings. When people have children, they, um, you know, they have presents to commemorate that. Or, you know, re you have retirement watches that go back, you know, however many years. Um, you know, jewelry is something that is extremely personal, and it's part of your story. I don't really, I don't personally think jewelry is frivolous at all. Um, because it's not like buying, you know, it's not like buying a car, although I'm sure men would disagree with that. People buy jewelry for something that has to do with some kind of passion. I'll just digress for myself. But I was thrilled to see that surprise tiara on Meghan Markle. Pretty much any big event, I always want to know what, pe what jewelry people are wearing. But, um, you know, that was tremendously significant. There was a lot of discussion with jewelry bloggers about what tiara is she going to wear? Will she wear one of uh, the Spencer tiara that Princess Diana wore? Will she have something, uh, you know, made for her, something new, you know, to sort of symbolize her and Harry's modern take on what being royal made means. And I thought it was um, very interesting. And I think it took, it was not on, that tiara was not on anyone's radar but it has a really fascinating story behind it. So 
That was a tiara that belonged to Queen Mary, and it hasn't been actually seen in public since, I, I don't remember the date, either 1938 or 1953, so that's why it wasn't on anybody's radar. Um, the center of the tiara is actually a, a brooch. Um, there's one, I think an oval diamond surrounded by 10, 11, and 12 other diamonds, and the, um, the tiara is actually, it's like, it's segmented, so um, it's, it's flexible, basically. The tiara was loaned from the queen, but that tiara will always be associated with Megan. Now, mm-hmm. you know, whether or not it's in her possession, because most people haven't seen this tiara in their lifetime. Um, and so I just thought it was, it was an interesting choice, and everything, with the exception of the veil, which was unbelievably just beautiful, um, I just felt like everything was there to complement the tiara. It, and it did. It just was, everything was so pretty. Well, thank you for sharing that with me. I didn't know any of that. I'm, I love tiaras. If that was one thing that I would make, I, mm-hmm. I would make tiaras. That's all I would make. <laughs> we'll have to do a tiara making class or something. Yes. yes, <laughs> that, yes. Would be, that would be fun. Tell us about how you give back to a very special cause through Heavenly Vices. Well, this might sound ridiculous to some people, but I started Heavenly Vices with a long-term plan to um, fund more effective programs for animal overpopulation. So I live in Atlanta. I grew up in New Orleans. Um, basically anywhere that's hot is a horrible climate for or environment for animal overpopulation because we have long breeding cycles and, you know, places there's some places like I know in Massachusetts, um, you have to, you have to by law spay and neuter your animals. There's no such thing here. And I am actively involved in animal rescue. I actually just resigned slash retired from the board of a rescue because it was taking too much time away from my husband, my personal pets, my real job, as I call it, and my jewelry business. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, I do a lot with rescue, and it is heartbreaking to see not only the number of animals that are unwanted, but also it doesn't feel like anyone's making a dent, and it's very it's depressing. But rescue is not a solution. Rescue is a Band-Aid for a problem, and what is needed is more effective spay and neuter programs to prevent these animals from ever coming into animal control. I mean, if you look at the statistics on animal breeding, I think an unaltered female can produce, I think, in the millions over the course of seven years. So, you know, assuming that their offspring aren't altered and so on and so forth. And um, I've personally fostered cats who were extremely sick. Um, I have one cat we actually ended up keeping but he almost lost his eye, and it's just because he was a he was a kitten. We actually fostered his mom, and she had a litter of seven cats, and they went to animal control. And animal control is not a good place for cats because it's loud and it's noisy, and there's dogs barking, and it's stressful. Cats don't deal with change well, and when the kitten's immune systems go down, they get respiratory infections, which are different from human respiratory infections. They, they get a lot of, you know, eye discharge. 
it's, it's heartbreaking. And so I, my goal, my dream is besides having my jewelry on the red carpet at the Oscars, my dream is to be able to fund mobile spay and neuter outreach, outreach programs here in Atlanta. You know, Atlanta is a giant city and we have no effective public transportation. So people who have pets, um, who don't have cars, even if they want to take their cats to have them, or cats and dogs, to have them altered or even just basic vetting, it's, it's very difficult because, you know, you can't take your, I don't think you can take your animals on a bus. Taxis are impractical. So what I would love to do is to have a mobile span your program where we would contract with a vet and, you know, have a, a truck, a food truck or, you know, one of the actual units, which are incredibly expensive. I couldn't believe it. But, you know, just do community outreach um, for people that, for whatever reason, can't get their animals fixed. And that's why I started this um, this crazy little venture that I'm on, because I want to make a change. And if my business is ultimately successful, um, you know, even if I can only afford a program in one state, um, that's what I'm looking for. And I don't care how long it takes me to do it. That's wonderful. And not only is your jewelry have so much meaning behind it, it also is giving back to to such a wonderful cause and a really wide reaching and it's but you have you have a goal and you have that vision and um, this is what I want to share with people. So if they have goals and visions, just you know, chip away at it a little bit at a time, just like you're doing as much, you know, as much time as you can put into it. It's, it's bringing so many people joy and, and beyond, beyond the jewelry that we wear for ornamentation. You're going, you're affecting so many other little precious lives, little animals that are so innocent <laughs> and sweet. And I would, would like to say, and I know you'll back me up on this, um, for anyone that's thinking about trying to trying something new, whatever it may be, do not pay attention to social media. There is no such thing as overnight success. I thought this would be a lot easier than it was. And nothing worthwhile is ever easy. And everything that people, everything you hear people say about perseverance and don't give up, you have got to follow that. A year is not enough time to start anything. Um, and it's, just follow your dreams and figure things out, but you have to be patient and you have to have perseverance. And if you're going to do jewelry, you have to have a lot of cash. <laughs> <laughs> so then you have to, you have to work to make that happen. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much, Samantha. This was um, a wonderful visit. I loved hearing more about your story and your purpose with the jewelry, and I'm so excited to share this with uh, Jewelry Navigator on an upcoming podcast. Thank you. It was a wonderful that we could have met back in February, and I have enjoyed following you and learning on your podcast, and I look forward to your success as well. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I love when jewelry gives back while helping us feel loved and appreciated, just like Samantha's Heavenly Vices Fine Jewelry does. 
I plan to share more jewelers and designers who give back through their jewelry, and you can find Heavenly Vices Fine Jewelry online at heavenlyvices.com and on Instagram at heavenlyvices. Samantha is charming and intelligent with a heart to change conditions that will be as precious as the jewelry she creates. I'll leave you with an excerpt from her June 1st blog post from her website, heavenlyvices.com, in which she references our visit. And I quote, Jewelry becomes part of the folklore of our lives, and if you're lucky, you have inherited jewelry that was part of your parents, grandparents, and great-grandparents' lives. Like other external expressions of our inner selves, jewelry tells a story about us to people we encounter. Thanks again so much for joining me. I know you have a choice in podcasts and truly appreciate you listening to Jewelry Navigator podcast. If you enjoyed this and other episodes, I'd love it if you left a review in iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on. And I'd love to hear from you, just to hear from you. And if you have any jewelry questions or conundrums, I can maybe help. And do you maybe have a unique jewelry line that you know about or an elusive jeweler who creates amazing things? I'd love to know. Reach out, say hello. I'm always on Instagram and that's at Jewelry Navigator on Instagram. You can email me too at Brenna at JewelryNavigator.com. Until next time, cross-check your sparkle and don't ever clean your jewelry with toothpaste. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.